Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. And I'll, I'll say this to mothers too. This is a, this is a testimony that I'm, I'm even standing here and, and God has done what he's done. Um, and I appreciate the hand claps, but it's really the faithfulness of God in my life. And, uh, and if, if you have children who are away from God, it's the faithfulness of a praying mother. Um, I thank my mom. She's so great. I love you. Um, so, uh, so if you, if you have a, a child who's away from God, um, just pray for them because, because there is power in the prayers of a mother um, as well as the father and, and just believing that your kids will, will turn back to Jesus. And I'm a testament to it. Um, and standing here is, is the faithfulness of God in, in my life. And so uh, praise God for that. Um, I did want to talk to you today because I believe, I believe that God is doing something really exciting in Mountain Park um, Church. And what's so exciting about this is that um, that, that is not um, compartmentalized to a certain demographic. See, so often what we do is we, we um, just for our own programming, for our own planning, we, we compartmentalize ages and then we, we hope that, that God will bless what we're doing. But actually what we're trying to do here, and Andrew was alluding to it, is just saying, you know, we are a church of multi-generational. We are a church with multi-generations that are present. And what we believe is that from, from babies all the way through to the great age of 110, let's say somebody's here, it's 110, sure. Um, we believe that the Spirit of God can move in your life because we do not believe that there is a junior Holy Spirit. It's just not in the Scripture. And actually, if you look throughout Scripture, God really loves to use teenagers. And so what we believe is that God wants to move in our midst, in our families, amen, anyone? Believing that families will produce fruit in our lives. I wanna see that. I wanna see where families begin to see people transformed in their homes, not just at church. Not just at church, but we believe that in our homes, we can see our kids' friends come over. We can see our friends come over and the presence of God is resting in our lives and in our home and we can watch as our friends and family become to know and love Jesus because of his presence in our lives. Anybody excited about that? But today I wanna to talk to you about the, the question really is how? How does that really happen in our lives? I mean, we, we, we know it should. I mean, right? Like we talked today, we sang a song about knowing who God says we are. And, and, and if we're honest, you know, a lot of us have a lot of knowledge. We have the verses in the right places so we can claim them. Um, yes, obviously we, we should know more about God and we wanna know more about God, but often it's, it's not the fact that we don't know enough, it's, it's we have this knowledge that doesn't necessarily translate to application in our lives. And so the question is, how do, we, how do we really take the knowledge we have and live it out in our everyday life? Like, how do we, 
I don't know if you're like me, but man, when, when the band is, is leading us and it's singing, I feel like I could conquer the world. I'm like, devil, stay out of my way. Any challenge, stay out of my way because you don't want to mess with me. But Monday comes and my alarm goes off and I don't even want to get out of bed. <laughs> Maybe what we could do is have the band just travel with you. And like somebody, it's in the car with you, somebody cuts you off and they're just singing, you know who, or you say who, I don't even know what the song is. I, I definitely, is, I'm not on a worship team, that's for sure. Nobody wants that. But is it not true? How do we transfer how we feel here to our everyday life? And I want to look at John 15 today. Because I believe that God is going to show us something and he wants to teach us how to apply this to our lives, how to live this out. And the good news is, is that it isn't about you. Is that not good news? I mean, I stand here on stage and I promise you, if you saw any of my high school presentations, the good news is that it does not depend on me. <laughs> but it depends on who Jesus is. Because we know the promises, right? Andrew claimed them. We're new creations. We're free. We're children of God. We're made right before God. We're ambassadors of Christ as if God was making his appeal through us. These are, these are verses, these th things that we know. But man, how? How do I live this out? And so if you're with me, in uh, John 15, let me know, just say amen. amen. But before we do that, I do want to just, just explain the context that we're walking into. Because all the parents in the house know that context matters, right? So let's take a hypothetical. You have a child that runs to you, and it's the oldest child, and the child is weeping because it's screaming that the other child hit it. <laughs> context matters in that moment. Because, you know, you go in there and you're about to yell at your youngest child, hypothetically, and you find out that the oldest child was sitting on the youngest child. <laughs> so this is a really important context. Any parents say, get it? You're great with it? And so when we read the scriptures, you know, sometimes we just rip them out of context and we try to, to claim them for different things. But we actually have to know what the context is. And so here's what's happening. Jesus has just finished his public ministry. He raised Lazarus from the dead, and that was the final thing he did because they were plotting to kill him. And so he hid from them, not because he was afraid of them, but because he knew his time was not yet, had not yet come. He enters Jerusalem, and we know the story, Palm Sunday. He walks into Jerusalem. They're praising him, and what happens is, is that he then goes out of his way. He gets, he's at, right now, he is at the Last Supper. He knows that this is the night that he will be betrayed. He knows this is the night that he will be betrayed. He has just washed the disciples' feet. He has just looked at his betrayer and told him to go do what he needs to do. He has just told his most faithful of disciples, well, maybe not most, loudest of disciples, that he is going to deny him. And it's this context that we walk into, and it's called the final discourse. And what's so great about our Jesus is this, is that I don't know about you if you've ever been in a, a state where you are just totally desperate and feel like the world is falling, falling apart around you and you're walking into something that you may feel overwhelmed by. I don't care about anyone. 
in those moments. Does anybody else feel like that? I'm like, I don't care if you need my help. I'm sorry, daughter, that you're freaking out, but I have a lot to do right now. But this is not Jesus. Jesus understands what's going on. He feels the weight of it. Please don't misunderstand that Jesus does not. He is fully human and fully God. He feels the weight of what is happening. But he sees beyond himself. And so in this, we pick up in verse 1, chapter 15. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you're you're reading from a different one, it, it will follow fine. I am the true grapevine. This is Jesus speaking. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more fruit. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot, you, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and thrown, and sorry, into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. I love this part. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. And so Father, as we unpack your word, we take a moment and we, we do, we submit ourselves to you and your lordship. And we just open our hearts and our minds to you and say, give us ears to hear heart to accept what you are saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. It's interesting in this, uh, in this context. Um, I love it because if you actually look at verse 31 of chapter 14, it says, uh, it says, but I will do what my father requires. Oh, sorry, not that verse, 29. He says, um, it is time for us to go. And um, he says, it's time for us to go. Um, so, isn't that weird that it's like he's ending his discourse and then he just continues to talk? Um, I don't know if your family's like mine. I don't know if it's an English thing or Canadian thing or if it's just a human thing. Um, we say goodbye like 12 times. My wife is like, like, why do you take so long to say goodbye? Like, just say goodbye and then leave. Like, what is, the, what is, we say goodbye like when we're sitting. We're like, okay, it's time to go. And then we, then we get up and we tell more stories and then we go to put our shoes on and we talk again and talk about our shoes or whatever's going on. And, and we say, this is kind of what's happening. So Jesus kind of says, if you ever read the, the 14th chapter and wonder like, it seems like he's done and then he's back again. Well, this is kind of what's happening. Jesus is saying like, okay, it's time to go. But then he's, he's just continuing on his discourse. He wants to tell them more because we know that when it's our last thing we're gonna tell somebody, it's really important, right? So if you've ever wondered, like, what should I read in Scripture? I feel lost in Scripture. I, I, 
I'm with you. There are times where I'm like, what? It's such a big book. Where should I read? I mean, these, these chapters from 13 to 17, if you ever just want to study something and say, the, the last words of Jesus are a, a great place to be. Because we, all parents know that if you're leaving your teenagers over the weekend, your last words are very important. Don't do this. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing. He's saying, here's, here's what I need you to know because you're going to be overwhelmed over the next three days. And so here's what I need you to know. And so this is the context we walk in. And interesting, he talks about the vine. But the first phrase that he uses is a very interesting phrase. He says, I am the true vine. Not just the vine. You wonder why is he saying the true vine? Why not just vine? Are there other false teachers going around saying, oh no, I'm the vine, I'm the vine. No, this is, this is actually something that's so critical to Jesus' teaching. He is, he is tearing down old understandings of the Old Testament and bringing in new truth because Jesus is the revelation that everyone, the law was waiting for, everyone was waiting for. Jesus is letting them know that I am, am the true vine. See, because in the Old Testament, you have, you have uh, a couple verses that they, they talk about the vine. Psalms 80, Jeremiah 2, uh, Isaiah 5, Hosea 10. They talk about vine, but it's always in reference to Israel. The vine in the Old Testament is always referenced to Israel, and it's always about Israel's fruitlessness. It's always about Israel's fruitlessness. And Jesus steps on the scene and says, hey, what Israel was unable to do as the vine, I'm able to do as the true vine. And the true vine always produces fruit. So, so for us, you know, the context is cool. We think, of, we think of the vineyards around us. We think of fruit farms. And, and we're like, yeah, that's great. But they are thinking not just of the fruit and the vine, and oh, they're thinking of the prophecies and the stories that have been told and the verses that they know and memorize about the vine, about how Israel could never do what God was really calling them to do, to be fruitful. And Jesus steps in and says, hey, I'm the true vine. Here's how you produce fruit. So this is the context that we're walking into. And two things are very apparent. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write almost like a, like a line down the middle of it, and on one side write apart, and one side write abide or remain, because that's a big word if you, if you were paying attention. Um, when I was reading, not in, I was totally inferring that you weren't. That was really, I didn't mean that. Uh, <laughs> I came across, when I listen to preachers, I think of stuff like that, I'm like, you're a jerk. I'm not a jerk, I misspoke, I apologize. Um, so apart is one, remain is the other. And so he is contrasting what happens to a branch when it's apart from the vine and when it's connected to the vine. And so apart, here's the first step. It says this, Jesus says, if you are apart from the vine, it is fruitless. So write fruitless. And it's pretty simple. Verse two says this, Jesus says, he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. In verse five, he says this, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will produce fruit. I love this. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, that is one of the most encouraging verses in scripture. You're just ready to go. It's like, thank you, Jesus. Apart from me, I can do nothing. But that is, that's the truth. Apart from the vine, like let's think about a branch, okay? 
a branch apart from a vine or apart from a fruit tree has no source of anything. It's gonna die. It produces no fruit. And this is exactly what Jesus says. But he says, contrastly, if the branch is connected to the source of everything it needs, oh, then, then it produces the fruit that it needs. And so we see apart, no fruit, abiding or remaining, fruit. Next thing is this. It goes, it says, uh, cut off. Verse two says this, it continues and goes, um, it says, he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. He cuts off. So here's the thing. A, a branch that doesn't produce fruit, it just, it gets cut off because it's not producing anything. So it doesn't just stay and we just accept dead trees. No, he says, no, a good gardener, a good farmer, it, he tears down those branches. He cuts them back because they're not doing anything. And this may make you ask the question like it did me, what is the fruit he's talking about? Like, what is the fruit in my life? I, if I'm gonna get cut off and be unfruitful, I would kind of like to know what's the expectation for me. I don't know if you're like me. I like to know my expectations to know if I can meet them or exceed them or just not try. Anyone? No, okay. And so here is, here is what we're looking at. Look at Galatians 5, 22 through 25. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit that you're looking for. The fruit of your life should have these things in it. If the Holy Spirit is active in your life, if you're connected to the source, these are the things that are active in your life. If you don't see these in someone's life, then it's very possible that there is zero fruit. And maybe you're wondering, is that only fruit? I think there's also other fruit. And I think the best example to look at is Jesus. Jesus is always the best example to go to. And what we see in Jesus's life is a life full of fruit. There is so much life change that happens when he is preaching, people are transformed. When he is healing, he heals people. I believe that that's not just for Jesus and the New Testament. I believe that's for here and now today, believing that we as his disciples can walk in that and we can believe that healing can happen through us. That's fruit. Life change is fruit. Disciple making is fruit. Can I get an amen, Pastor Herm? <laughs> Pastor Herm is all about disciple making. And the truth is this, is that that is the fruit that's in our lives. And if we don't see that fruit, Jesus is very clear. Just as if a farmer sees a branch that is not producing fruit, he tears it down, he cuts it off, and that's what Jesus does. And then he says, so if cut off is on, on the part side, on the abiding side or the remaining side, write down prunes. See, my mom has these rose, she's English, so I guess you have to have roses. Um, and so she has roses in her garden and, and they are, they, all, they come, they're beautiful. Um, and yeah, that's all I can say about roses, but uh, I don't know anything about roses. I don't help her at all with that. Um, but every year she trims and prunes them. And I promise you every year, I think that they look dead. She prunes them down to almost nothing and I'm like, oh, those are dead. 
She's like, no, I just cut them down. I'm like, okay, sure. It'll come back. And each year it comes back. This is what this is what the gardener does. It tells us that the gardener is God, the Father. And, and you know what's great is that he actually loves us. And he wants the purpose of it. Look, it says the purpose of it in verse 2 is this. So that you may produce even more fruit. Man, I, I so often want more fruit in my life. I want more of the fruit of the Spirit. But... I don't necessarily want to be pruned. I don't want to look like that ugly rose bush. Is it a bush of plant? Flower? Yeah, sure. I don't want to look like that. And may I challenge you that maybe what you're walking through right now is not God's judgment on you, but is God pruning you because he wants to produce more fruit? And it doesn't mean that God brought it to you. It means that God can use it for you. Because we serve a good God who takes even the most difficult of situations and brings out his glory and your good. So we have fruit, or no fruit, fruit, cut off, pruning, and then verse six, fire. And this one is actually, I I was... My Canadian self got really awkward about this one um, because when I read the commentaries, you know, we would say that, oh, it's, it's about believers who aren't producing fruit. It's a metaphor about that he, he wants them to produce fruit. It's actually not what it's about. The commentaries read that it's actually about the eternal judgment. And if we are ones who are not connected to God, that actually that we will be put in hell for eternal judgment. And I know, right, it's kind of like, oh, Canadian, we're Canadian, we don't, that one's kind of hard to talk about, you know, let's kind of just skip over that, but we cannot, I cannot, this is not me teaching, this is Jesus speaking, that he says, if we do not produce fruit, then you get cut off, and what is a, what is a branch good for that has laid on the ground for seasons, it's dried up and it is firewood. And the truth is this, if we are not cultivating the, the, the fruit of the Spirit and the, the things that God is saying to us, seeing fruit happen in us, it says that we are apart from God. And we will see judgment. The good news is, is that that is, that is a terrifying thing and hell is a real place that we should be terrified of but we don't have to be because of the cross of Jesus Christ. See, we understand that through Jesus Christ, he made a way where there was no way, where we were going to hell for eternal judgment because producing fruit was impossible in ourselves. But because of Jesus, our relationship to him, ah, we are made right. But maybe you're like me and what you're starting to think about is it sounds a lot like this passage is about works and how works saves you. That is not true. Jesus saves us. And here is what's so great. So if we go, if we go from um, fire um, on the other side, say blessing. I love this. It says, it says that in verse eight that there's fruit. So you produce more fruit. Then you are called a true disciple. And then, 
you glorify God. What is better? What is better than to have fruit in your life, the fruit of the Spirit, seeing people's lives change, disciples made, healings, all those kind of things in our lives, believing that God is moving and acting in our lives consistently, and then you are called a true disciple, and then you know that your life is glorifying God? That is a good place to be. But maybe you're like, man, that, it does really sound like it's about works. And I need to... I need to focus on this. Let me ask you a hypothetical question. How much bragging rights does a branch have when it produces fruit? Like, what did the branch do? Do you ever see a farmer be like, that's my branch right there? (laughs) Yeah, don't even worry about the roots. You take care of that branch and we are good. That just doesn't happen because branches aren't, they don't really do anything except for abide to the tree, to the vine. This is the picture that Jesus is giving us. He's saying, listen, it's not about works. It's not about how hard you try. You don't see a branch up there. I claim grapes. I want grapes. I'm going to see grapes. That's not, that's not what a branch does. It simply abides to the vine. And the same is true for you and I. We connect to Jesus, and through that, we see fruit. But maybe, maybe you are like me, and you ask this question a lot. Okay, but how? This is like one of my favorite passages, and I wrestle with it all the time because I'm like, what does remain in mean? What does abide mean? How do we really live this out? And so I'm going to give you three things we can do to see the fruit in our lives. The first thing is this. And this is all, we're just going to look at the branches, our illustration, and we're going to take it from there and say, okay, what what can we learn from a branch that abides in a vine? The first thing is this. It connects. It stays connected. It is connected. Like a branch by itself does not produce anything. I even saw this one. They had, they had to cut down some of the uh, cherry, cherry trees. And I'd seen that actually back in a pile, there were beautiful blooms on cherry trees. In a pile, they had been cut off. So they looked beautiful, but they didn't produce any fruit. They were dead, but they still had their flowers on. See, we have to stay connected to Jesus to see fruit in our lives. If we don't stay connected, we don't see the fruit. And what I love is is the best example again. Let's go to the example of Jesus. There are three times in the Gospels that he separately goes to God. He goes alone. He separates himself from everything that's going on and he gets alone with God so he can connect. And he says this in John 5. He says that I only do what the Father shows me to do. Anybody want to do that? Anybody want to be that? Just doing what they see the Father in heaven doing? This is what Jesus shows us. When he's connected, man, look at the fruit in his life. And what I love about Jesus is that the fruit in his life comes spontaneously. Like, I don't know any farmers 
that actually are like, okay, we're going to write down, um, this is the day that this apple will pop right there, and then this is the day. No, that's not how it works. And so Jesus was like that. Jesus had been connected. He's connected, so he's prepared in season and out of season. See, the problem with me is like, I'm like, God, could you just like let me know when you're going to move? Because then I could really pray up for those things. I can memorize scriptures for those events. That is, that is not the point. The point is being connected. And Jesus, he's on his way to the synagogues where he's teaching and people start interrupting him and lives begin to be changed because he only does what he sees the father doing. Church, we don't have to try harder. We need to connect better. Can I invite you? Invite you into a connection with God. I love one pastor said this. This passage is not transactional. It is relational. But we live in a transactional world. I give you this, you respond in this way. I give you this, you respond in this way. I treat you a certain way, you treat me a certain way. This is not kingdom. God has all the chips, we have nothing he wants except our heart. And so how it happens is this. We open ourselves up to him and we connect with him and the relationship, out of the relationship, we begin to see lives changed through us. Point two. Rest. We need to rest. Can I tell you, Christians, we need to do less and rest more. I know, right? North American Christians were like, what? How? Whoa. What do you mean? That's, that's, you could be really dangerous by saying that you're going to do less. I'm not talking about doing nothing. I'm talking about resting in God. Like, let's be honest. How many of us put away our phones? And even when we're on reading plan, right? Because that's when we're the best Christians. When we are on reading plan for the year, man, we are, I'm like fired up. But even when we're on that, are we really resting in Jesus? Because if I'm true, what I'm doing most of the time is trying to still accomplish something to feel like I'm like, I'm on, I'm up to date on my reading plan for the year, day 94, woo, posted on Instagram, right? Like, But Jesus gives us this illustration, and let's look at the branch. What does a branch do? It's connected, and it just rests in the vine. It rests, and the more it does nothing, the more it produces. This is why I love what we're doing at Mountain Park. We are resting and abiding, not doing nothing, but resting. Resting says this, Holy Spirit, I will not move, as Moses said, right? As Moses said, he said, we will not move from this place if your presence does not go before us. This is what we have to say. Not here's what we need to do. We need to do more stuff. We have to be more active. We have to do more. No, 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 I believe this, that when we rest in the presence of God like Jesus did, we will see lives transformed because we will do what the Father shows us. Look at the story of Mary and Martha, right? Mary, the older sister. I don't know that. I just assume that because that's how she acts. Um, and, and so she, I'm sorry, older sisters, but it's totally true. Um, she is busy working, busy working, busy working. 
her younger sister is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now listen, according to Jewish tradition and expectations, Martha is doing the right thing. She is honoring her guest. Mary is dishonoring her family by sitting and doing nothing. But Jesus says, when obviously the older sister gets mad and tries to correct through Jesus to her younger sister, um, when she says, can you please help her? This is my paraphrase. Can you please tell my younger sister to help me? She's just sitting there doing nothing. He says, Jesus says this, Mary has chosen what is better. It's not that doing things are not good. It's not that we shouldn't do anything. But it's actually that we sit at the feet of Jesus and from the resting place of being with him, we are transformed to then go out and transform others. The last thing is this, completely surrendered. It's interesting, right? Like, you don't see any branches that are like halfway committed. Like you don't see a branch that's like, I mean, maybe you do, it's called a branch that needs to be cut off because it's hanging from the vine. But like they have to be solely connected to the vine for it to work, right? And the same is true for our lives. If we're honest, How many of us compartmentalize our lives where we say, God, you are allowed in this section, but please don't touch this. Oh, and this, this is way off limits. I just, I can't, I can't even think about forgiving this person. So you can't even ask me to do that. Oh, I can't even begin to share my testimony. So that's not my personality. So I'm not going to do that. Please don't ask that. We compartmentalize and what he's asking for, what he's inviting us into. And if we desire to see fruit abound in our lives, he's asking for complete surrender. Complete surrender. The question is this. Do we trust him with even our scariest things? Do we trust him with the darkest things that no one else knows about? Do we trust him with the promises that we hold on to, our dreams, our fears? Do we trust him with those things? Because if we're honest, we're so often, this is how we live our Christian, even as believers, this is how we live our lives. We live it like like smartphones. See, smartphones, what we do is we take it and we plug it in, right? And we charge it up. And then we go out and we do, we do life. And when it dies, we bring it back. Or if you're like a teenage girl, you bring the cord with you and you plug it in somewhere with you. But the truth is this, that's not how we've been created. See, so often that's how we live our lives. We say, okay, I go to church, I get generated up, I get pumped up, I'm ready to go, and then I hit, oh, Monday drains me a lot. Okay, I have, I have small group on Wednesday, let's just try to survive, that we make it to Wednesday. Okay, I get charged up, now I'm ready to go. Oh, I'm only on 10%, I can't really share, I can't really do this, I can't really give more, I have to just conserve until I get to church, or till I get to that meeting, till I get to this word. We are much more like light bulbs than we are cell phones. I know it's really insulting because cell phones do a lot more than light bulbs do. But listen, 
light bulb's purpose is, its only purpose is to shine bright. And it is absolutely unable to do that unless it's connected to the source of its power. And let us just be very honest with ourselves. We are only able to shine and be who we've been created to be when we are connected to our source. And it is not about coming back to it. It is about it and Jesus and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit going with us everywhere we go. This is the beautiful thing. Branch, you are not the one who has to produce the fruit. It is the vine and the, and the gardener that does all the work. You abide. You abide. The good news is this. The responsibility is not on us to do any of the work. It's simply to stay connected to Jesus. And when we stay connected to Jesus, our families will get saved. Our friends will get saved. Disciples will be made. Churches will be filled. Cities will be transformed. Not because we are generating and working so hard, but because we are resting in Jesus and Jesus is doing the work through us. And so if I invite you to stand up. And if this word has impacted you today, and not my words, the words of Jesus, and you wanna to respond to him, maybe you're going through something and you feel like you're doing all the work and you're trying to generate and trying to do so hard and you feel like the cell phone, but you wanna be the light, we're gonna invite you to, to respond. And again, we say this every week, the front is not extra special, but there is something about activating our faith. When we feel the Holy Spirit moving on us and me taking the step of faith to come to the front that says, yes, I'm gonna take the word that God has spoken to me and I'm gonna to respond to it with my actions. There is something that is generated in us. And there is something supernatural that begins to help us to walk it out. And we start with a walk here and then we take the walk out there. And so if you're here, actually I'm gonna invite you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm gonna close in prayer, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray and then the band's gonna lead us. And if you need prayer, please do not let fear do not let what other people are thinking hold you back from responding to God today. Jesus, here we are. Our desire is to abide in you. We realize we are the branch. The work is not up to us. The work of abiding is up to us. So help us to connect, help us to rest, Help us to completely surrender. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.